listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to the first September edition of uh, the Smoke Signals podcast, and hope all of you had a very nice Labor Day weekend and uh, are ready to get into some crunch time baseball here uh, down the stretch as the Indians, unfortunately, are starting to slip a little further back in the division again, but... You know, they're still well within striking distance, and uh, we'll see how the rest of this uh, season goes. But uh, joining me as always, uh, IBI uh, Editor-in-Chief, who is actually on his way to cover the first captains, Lake County Captains playoff game of uh, of their postseason run. And, you know, the minor league season's ended, and now we got a couple teams in the playoffs here. And uh, Justin, how's it going? Good. I can't believe minor league baseball regular season's over. It always goes so fast, and I always get kind of bummed out when it ends. And then, you know, at least the Indians are playing meaningful, meaningful September baseball, and as frustrating as it might be right now, it's sure a lot better than getting September when, you know, games don't matter either way. So at least we have that going for us. Yep. Uh, we mentioned it last week how this is the time of year where, you know, it's frustrating – it's so frustrating at times, and it's can be hard to tolerate. But this is what we sign up for as baseball fans: is this kind of, is this kind of nail biting September baseball? And uh, you know, the Indians. And would you rather they, be Detroit, or would you rather be the Indians of last year, where they're going in September with a fifteen game lead and nothing to play for? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, the Indians did finish their sweep of Detroit, who looks like they're well on their way to uh, taking that. Uh, number one pick in next year's draft and now the since that sweep of Detroit though the Indians have seen their luck turn against them again and they went down to Tampa and got swept right before uh Hurricane Dorian was set to hit the uh, Florida coastline there but uh and then you know they go into Chicago or no they come back home against the White Sox and win the first game in a blowout well, it was eleven to five, and the second game they lose in very heartbreaking fashion. In a game that, where they were up and well, and seemed like they were on their way to another win, but then they had another another one slip through their fingers there at the end. Um, so let's get right to it and talk about the controversy with Carrasco. As great of a moment as it was to see him come into the game, I mean, I got watching the re- just watching the replays of this morning of him first coming to the game and him being announced and seeing the ovation from the crowd, it gave me goosebumps. So, so glad to see him get that moment. But unfortunately it was short lived as he came in the game and then gave up the crucial home run that put the White Sox on top for good. And, uh, you know, there's been some fallout because of it. Terry Francona himself said that he second guessed his decision, bringing him into a high leverage situation for his first home appearance. But, um, as you had said before the show, Justin, that, uh, uh, Tito mentioned that if this is the kind of thing where you need to, if you're going to have him in high leverage situations, you got to get him in there at some point to see if he can uh, manage them. And 
Unfortunately, it didn't work out this time around, but um, where do you stand on the decision to bring Carrasco in in that situation? I mean, they had just stayed in the run lead. The White Sox have a good lineup. McCann's having a great year. Eloy Jimenez is having a pretty solid rookie year. I, I guess they probably could have used maybe another situation or two for Carrasco to get his feet wet, but... You know, they, they, it's not like they brought him in like they did Andrew Miller, where they were bringing him in with runners on and asking him to, you know, strike everybody out and get out of uh, get out of a you know basis level situation. You know, they brought him into a clean England three run lead. You know, that's about as manageable of a high leverage situation as you're going to get. Now, it's a three run lead in the eighth inning that does qualify as high leverage if you if you you know go by um, those leverage index tables on old Fangraphs and Baseball Reference. Um, so that's about as manageable a, a situation it's going to get from that perspective. So you'd like to see him get through that. And he made two bad pitches. You know, he hung a, he hung a breaking ball in a can, and then he did it again to Eloy Jimenez. So those guys are good hitters. They're going to take advantage of that. I think other than that, he did fine. You know, it's just he, you know, he had a couple. I know he had the, the blue pit to left field. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate that Tyler had not unraveled in the first first home appearance and you know like uh like francona said you know if if, if they're gonna get to the playoffs it, it looks like carrasco's gonna have to be a big piece um at least the bridge to the back end of the bullpen and, and it cost him last night but maybe maybe that helps him out down the stretch to get through you know that situation and, and bounce back so i think maybe it was unfortunately necessary at the same time, you know, the beginning of the bullpen has been slipping for weeks now. You know, Nick Whitgren hasn't been as good. Uh, Nick Goody's had a couple hiccups. Um, you know, Adam Simber hasn't been all that trustworthy. There's been a lot of guys in that bullpen you just really haven't been able to count on that you were earlier in the year. Yeah, and I hate to say that um, you and I kind of predicted this, um, but, you know, everybody was saying how good the bullpen was at the start of the year and by the numbers they were good uh, one of the best in baseball but when you w- broke it down to its elements you had Brad Hand who even he's had his problems lately um, you be- had Brad Hand and then a cast of a cast of characters who n- not nobody really stands out as far as you know dominant late inning relievers yeah Wickren and uh and Simber and uh, and Goody were pitching pretty well early on in the year, but um, then it comes down to you know whether or not these guys can actually step in there and in a high level situation in the seventh and eighth inning and, and consistently get three outs. And unfortunately, you know these guys are solid relievers, but I don't think in the long run they are seventh, eighth, or ninth inning types, except for Brad Hand and. You know, it put them in a situation where you're going to have to ask a lot of Carrasco. And as I said before in previous podcasts, I don't think it's fair to ask that much of him coming off of what he's been through. But it's pretty much necessary at this point because, I mean, how many games off the top of your head can you point to that were seemed like they were in hand, say, within the last month, month and a half or so, that the bullpen has let slip away. It seems like it's been a lot lately, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, he got Simber a couple times in, 
I think it was at New York. He had a, a slip up. I'm trying to think of where in the last month or so. I know Simmers had a couple of games where you were just, you know, he was getting getting some bad luck. And once runners were on, he was getting tattooed and throwing bad pitches. Once he got through some bad luck, you know, then obviously Brad Ann went through a stretch where he was pitching not very well. And, and quite frankly, Brad Ann hasn't even pitched in a week. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I think his last appearance was last Thursday in Detroit. So he's going on six days where he hasn't pitched because the Indians got shelled in Tampa Bay and they blew out the White Sox Monday and then they didn't hang on to the lead Tuesday night for where he would have came in. So, you know, you're not getting him any more work, which isn't great because now he's going from being pitching every other day or two days out of three and to not pitching at all. And then, uh, and it's not even just the leads. You know what it is? It's the fact that the bullpen isn't able to keep the game within striking distance. There were two games in Tampa Bay where Nick Goody was a victim of one, Tyler Clifford was one of them, and then Hunter Wood. You know, Frank Cona brought all three of those guys in different games um, down by a run or two or maybe three at the most, and things just blew up on them. You know, they weren't able to keep it where it was. And that's the most concerning thing is, you know, especially in the postseason, if you get to a wild card game, um, the Indians are really going to have to lean heavily on their starters uh, if they get anywhere in the postseason. If you can't trust your bullpen and then you get down, you know, you can't just go out there. And who are you going to put out there? Like all the guys we just mentioned are struggling recently. And um, if, if you can't protect leads, you're sure as heck can't uh, with your guys that you, you did trust. You're sure as heck can't, uh, can't keep it close to give your offense a fighting chance because they did come back in Tampa Bay. And um, unfortunately it was too late because the bullpen had given more of it away. Right. Yeah. And there, there was a, uh, what was that? Was the middle game in that series or something where they came back and uh, did they tie Saturday? it? Yeah, Saturday they they came no, back. They were and, down by one. They never they never tied it back. I think they lost six to five, if I remember right. Yeah, let me uh, pull up this ske- schedule here just so I can uh, verify that. But it's it's so unfortunate because you know not only is it games that you know, whether whether it's they're in they're in the lead or they're in a striking distance. You know what else it is? Is it's such great starts being spoiled by the bullpen because B- Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, who just actually won uh, AL Pitcher of the Month for August, um, they, it seems like uh, those outings have been some of those outings have been spoiled by the bullpen coming in and just giving up the lead or uh, you know making the game unmanageable, putting putting it out of reach. It's 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 unfortunate, but that's kind of the reality of where where things have been uh, lately, and yeah, it was uh, Saturday was it was nine to six they lost, and uh, yeah, they came. I think they came all the way back. Yeah, they did. That that was the game where uh, I think Framil Reyes hit the home the big home run to uh, to get them back. Uh, no, that was that was a, no, that was a home game. You're thinking of a couple of days before that. Oh, You're thinking okay. of Kansas City, right? I think that's the, right. The game they that's... lost against Kansas City, where they also blew that one. Yeah, yeah, the twenty fifth uh, on the sun, previous Sunday, twenty fifth. That's what I was thinking of. The games were all starting to run together at this point. But it, either way, it was. It, I do remember Saturday's game though, where they, you know, it was be- kind of a little bit back and forth, but then they just couldn't uh, come up with a full comeback there. But um, that's a series that they really didn't af- couldn't afford to be swept in, and uh, it doesn't put them out of reach for the division. But it, it 
makes their situation a bit more complicated, not only for the division, but also for the wild card, because now Tampa Bay has overtaken uh, the Tribe for the first wild card spot, and the Tribe's in a uh, precarious position, being tied with uh, Oakland for the second wild card, and yeah, there's still a month of baseball left to be played, so a lot can change, in, especially in the wild card race, but... Um, the, the Indians could very easily, between the three teams vying for a wild card spot, Tampa Bay, in, Cleveland, and Oakland, um, you know, it, it's probably going to come down to the wire, I would expect. And uh, the Indians could very easily be on the outside looking in come season's end, which would be very unfortunate given, you know, how, the way they rallied so so much uh, in the middle of the season to try to make a race out of the division. And, uh, you know, if that, that happens... Uh, the, I don't know what to make of this 2019 campaign then, but it's definitely more of a distinct possibility now after that Tampa Bay series. But, you know, as you as we've said before, this is the time of year where each series can swing uh, the race for the, a division, for a wild card. So, you know, maybe they could go into Minnesota this weekend and swing the race back in their favor. So, um, Yeah, well, it, I mean, well, if you're talking about the division, you know, they... They don't have to sweep Minnesota. They have six left. They have to pretty much finish six no against them to make that comeback. Right. Yeah. And the Minnesota is playing red hot baseball right now. They're nine and one in their last ten games. So uh, another set of unfortunate set of circumstances for the tribe because they're struggling right now. And Minnesota is getting uh, getting hot again. You know the Indians needed to take advantage of you know the Twins floundering a little bit there for after the all-star break, but now they're starting to, to get their act together again. And, uh, they need to do so as well in a hurry. If they really want to make a run at this division title. And it's, uh, they're only making it tougher on themselves with each loss now. Yeah. I, I would probably say at this point, don't even worry about the division. You just got to play good baseball and hope to get in the wild card game. And then hope that either one of Clevenger or Bieber is, uh, ready to go on normal rest for the wild card game, because, I don't know how the schedule lines up right now, but if one of those guys has to pitch on Sunday, you know, I mean, I, you'd have, uh, only, only, you hope there's no playoff to get in because if you have a playoff to get in to the, one of the spots, you have to pitch one of those two because one will pitch Saturday and one will probably pitch Sunday and then you have Wednesday. So you're hoping that, or uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then the game, the walk-out game is Wednesday. So you well, just hope those guys are rested. Let's see. Well, Shane Bieber's uh, slated to pitch tonight uh, on Wednesday against the White Sox against uh, Ivan Nova. So uh, if he's if he's slated to pitch tonight, um, looking at the schedule here, well, I'm talking about long term for the wild card game. Right. I'm yeah. Talking about the end of the month. I think they have Clevenger and Bieber both lined up to pitch in the Minnesota series this weekend, and I think next weekend as well because they play Minnesota back to back weekends. They play them this coming weekend and then they play him the next weekend at home. So I think they have that lined up for those two. But obviously doesn't really matter who they play. They have to find a way to protect leads and stay within the wild card spot right now. Well, um, right now looking at the uh, schedule since Bieber slayed the pitch tonight, I don't know if he's going to pitch in that uh, twin series, but yeah, I think Clevenger Clevenger pitched last night, didn't he? Yep. So uh, he he'll be slated to pitch uh, in game in game three of the series. So it should be it, it should be uh, I think Savale, Plutko, and and uh, Clevenger in that twin series. Or 
So that's how that's how that stacks up. And then Bieber would be slated to pitch again uh, on the ninth next Monday against uh, the Angels in Anaheim. So um, that and then uh, yeah, he'll and then Clevenger and Bieber could be lined up for the second series though. So you're right about that. So getting both of them pitching in that series uh, two weekends in a row against the Twins. Yeah, this is this. This is the time where the Indians need to make their move for the division. If they if they don't at least win both series, I think that uh, you can pretty much say that the division race is over and crown the Twins as the winners, and then the Indians just have to focus on the wild card and just playing good baseball, as you said. I think that the Indians are at a point where you know even though it's September and you're looking at the standings every day. Uh, they they can't be looking at the standings right now until they get until they get themselves back on track. They need to focus on getting back to playing good baseball and winning each game uh, one one night at a time. And I know that Tito is very good at uh, imparting that onto his players. So hopefully he can do that again here and uh, get them back on track, especially heading into those two crucial weekend series against the Twins coming up. Like you said, that's the one thing Francona has been saying, and he is good at. He said, "You know what? Worry about just winning baseball games. Just win, win the game in front of us, and the standings will take care of themselves." But right now, they can't worry about scoreboard watching anybody. The Twins, the Rays, the A's—they just need to play winning baseball. They need to hold leads um, and find ways to get runners in, you know, and not make you know hit the cutoff man. I know Yasiel Puig and Jake Bowers. All Jake Bowers, not so much. Yasiel Puig is. Uh, missed the cutoff man a few times uh, in the last week or so. So they just really got to play clean baseball and try to hold leads if they can. And then, you know, let the other teams sort themselves out. And that's what Francona said. I think he's absolutely right. They have to just worry about what they're doing internally, and especially with all the injuries they've incurred. Speaking of injuries, we had uh, the unfortunate uh, happenstance this week of Tyler Naquin uh, going on the 60-day IL out for the season potentially a lot of next season after tearing his ACL, making a running catch. It was a phenomenal catch he made um, in Tampa Bay and crashing into the uh, left field wall. He uh, went down hard, uh, grabbed his knee right away. And uh, my fiance and I were watching the game and I just instantaneously knew like that's like an eight, that's ACL tear that he might be done for the year. And uh, I hate to play, you know, the, the uh, Twitter doctor or whatever, so I didn't say anything. But uh, I just had that really bad feeling that that was what that was what was going on, and unfortunately, it came to fruition. And uh, that's unfortunate because Naquin was playing pretty well in the second half. So uh, it's it's a pretty big loss uh, for them in the outfield and in the lineup, and that puts Jake Bowers back in the mix, who's been playing solidly uh, at least at the plate. He's been hitting the ball better uh, since coming back. Granted, it's only a few games sample size, but uh, he's back and looks like he's going to be out in the outfield a lot uh, in Naquin's stead. But um, unfortunate uh, sequence of events for Naquin, who this year it seemed like when a lot of people, including I think you and I both, had written him off, he made himself uh, made himself a factor for the Indians again this year. And probably the best season he's had since his rookie campaign. So um, very unfortunate for him to lose him for the uh, rest of the season and potentially part of next season, because I know firsthand that this is a guy who does not like being on the injured list and he cannot, uh, he doesn't know what to do with himself when he's not playing baseball. So it's going to be hard for him, but hopefully he can come back strong. 
Yeah, that's really unfortunate. I mean, he, he had a nice season. He was looking like a, a contributor. I don't know if you want to call him an everyday starter, but at least, you know, he had settled into that platoon with Luplo before Luplo got hurt, and thankfully he's back. But, um, you know, he had he'd been a streaky player, but an important part of, of the team and a guy with a great arm. He had 11 outfield assists, uh, which was tied for second in baseball, I think, at the time he got hurt. So, it's it's really unfortunate timing, and he just seems to keep having. Obviously, this is kind of a freak injury, but he's always had other stuff, and it's really unfortunate. And now, you know, it's really questionable for him because you look at next year in spring training, you've got how many guys fighting for outfield spots? Not how I want to get too far ahead here, but you've got Daniel Johnson, Oscar Mercado, Greg Allen, Luplo, maybe Fran Mel Reyes if he gets some time in the outfield, but probably more likely a DH. Um, you know, Jake Bowers will be around next year. Maybe Kai Tom factors into the situation. I don't know. I mean, you just have, and I say Zimmer, because Zimmer too. Yeah, Zimmer's um, in the mix too, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, those all those guys are competing for at-bats next year. You know, and if Naquin comes into the, into, the, into spring training and is still having to, you know, rehab a torn knee uh, ligament, you know, he might find himself on the outside looking in. If, if other guys step up, they can't afford the sundown. So it's really unfortunate timing for him, as, especially for him and for the Indians. They needed all the healthy bats they could get. He could be entering Wally Pip territory. Uh, not that any of these guys are going to, you mentioned, are going to turn into Lou Gehrig, but uh, that's pretty much where he is, and it's unfortunate, but it's reality. But in, but uh I do know that Terry Francona has loyalty to guys who, I mean, we both know this. He has loyalty to guys who he's stuck with for a while. So I think when, if and when Naquin comes back, he'll get some benefit of the doubt. But then again, if, if and when he comes back, it'll probably be in the middle of the season next year. Who knows what the outfield situation is going to look like? Because say if Daniel Johnson's out in the outfield every day and he's playing well, I don't think the Indians are going to uh, uh, get rid of him in favor of Naquin. So um, I don't know. It's... I, I hate to say it about a guy who's really worked hard to become a, a solid contributor again, but um, I guess for Naquin, this is probably the most ill-timed injury you could get. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way around it. Unfortunately, it just it stinks all around. And hope he can come back strong. And for better or for worse, you're right. Francona does uh, stick to his guys and. Uh, Maybe that's good for Naquin. Maybe that's not so good for the Indians, but who knows? So uh, we wish Naquin all the best either way in his recovery. So um, uh, speaking of guys coming back from uh, the injured list, you have uh, Dan Otero and Tyra Olson officially activated. They've been on the injured list for a little while. So they rejoin the bullpen as rosters expand. Um, Jordan Luplo. I, think, no, I think Olson got moved to the 60. He's not back. Oh, he's not back? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, no, he got moved to the he, he he got moved to the sixty to open up a forty man spot. So oh, that's right. Okay, I, mis- I misread that uh, transaction page. Uh, I I thought I saw that Dan Otero came back and then Towers' name right after it. So I guess I just conflated the two. But um, uh, Jordan Luplo is also back in in, in the outfield. So uh, between him and Bowers, I, I guess you can absorb the loss of Naquin a little bit there, especially with the way uh, Luplo has been playing this year and. Uh, 
then we had the first round of September call-ups. Uh, mentioned Jake Bowers coming back. Um, then the Indians also selected the contracts of uh, Ryan Flaherty, uh, James Hoyt, and then recalled Eric Haas. So that was the f- first three guys to get called up. Uh, probably we'll see more once uh, the Clippers postseason run ends. Um, so I know that uh, you had some definite thoughts on this first round of call-ups. Um, anything you want to uh, elaborate on here as far as uh, these first three guys called up? No, uh, James Hoyt was a surprise. But um, <laughs> other than that, expected. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's the nicest way to put it. <laughs> I, I don't understand why. I mean, I know, I know they like James Hoyt, and I know he was probably going to be up next year, or he was going to be up last year if he had stayed healthy. So, you know, I guess that could have been, it could have happened last year, and then he pitched well this year, so he got his opportunity now. But yeah, I, I don't. I mean, Still. they needed to add bullpen help. I guess he's another guy to throw out there, even though. She's what thirty three or something. I don't know. Still on James Karinchak watch. That's all I'll say. And the Wolf, I I'm sure we'll see him up in Cleveland eventually. But um, I don't know if they just think he's better off getting more uh, pitching time in the playoffs for uh, Columbus or what. But or if they don't think he's ready fully back yet from his injury. But um, whatever their logic is, he. Either way, he's not up in Cleveland yet. I hope he's up in Cleveland before the season's out because I think that he could be a solid contributor in the bullpen. Um, now, he's not going to be eligible for the postseason uh, as a September call-up. Well, he can be. All, all you have to do is just um, put some on the 60-day I.L. or something or say he's injured and, and add him to the 40-man roster in that guy's spot. So there's loopholes people exploit all the time. So I really, if they really want James Karinczak on a – on a postseason roster, I'm sure there's a loophole they can find to do it. So uh, we're both on the James Karinchak bandwagon. Is there anybody else currently in Columbus you would like to see called up uh, to help the tribe down the stretch? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. There's really nobody else down there that's that's going to you know fit in. I mean, they're not going to create 40 man spots right now for Daniel Johnson and Kai Tom, or you know, I guess maybe you could see Zimmer. Trump a pinch runner once the playoffs are done in Columbus, but that's really about it. But he still needs time to work on his swing. So, no, I think that's kind of going to be it. As, as you're going to look to see maybe Bobby Bradley comes up as a pinch hitter or at least get some you know, time around the, on, around the playoff race on the bench. That's about it. Yeah, there's not nobody really on the 40-man down there. I, I think since they called up uh, Flaherty and Haas and Hoyt and added them to the roster, the, the only... If I'm not mistaken, the only guy on the 40-man roster down in Columbus right now is uh, Bobby Bradley. Zimmer as well. Oh, yeah, Zimmer too. I, I, I forgot he's uh, joining the Clippers now down the stretch. So uh, Bradley, There's got to be another couple arms down there. I think uh, there's got to be some other pitchers in that roster that are on the 40. Well, you know what? Logan Allen too. I should not, he he since he got uh, called he'll up. Probably, he'll probably get called up. Um, one, if he's on the 40, he'll probably get called up in September or once the – Almost playoffs are done. So uh, I could, so then I could definitely see all three of those guys coming up: uh, Allen, uh, Bradley, and then Zimmer. So, uh, and I, if they call up Allen, I want to see how they uh, use him because you know, granted it was one outing, but he looked pretty pretty good in that one outing and against the Red Sox. And 
I want to see if, if he gets some more appearances and because he's he's seen some time in the majors before and you know this season has been kind of a rough one for him but um the Indians have uh been known to uh pinpoint what's going wrong with uh pitchers from outside the organization and then uh figure out how to get them back on track uh, I mean I'm looking at Ky- I know I don't want to get too far down the prospect road here, but look at Kyle Dowdy, how he finished off the season. He had two really good starts in a row, like six, seven innings. Uh, he had a ton of strikeouts, and you know, one he left the organization and struggled in in Texas, and comes right back, and they and they're able to get him back on the right track again. So, uh, just as an example of how the Indians have been able to do that uh, with pitchers, whether they're prospects or whether they're the scrap heap veterans, um, they've been able to have more success than not. So uh, maybe Allen can be another example of that if if and when they call him up. So, um, yeah, I think that um, as far as September call-ups this year, I don't think there's anybody really that exciting. Because as you mentioned, there's not probably not going to be 40 man spots made for uh Daniel Johnson or Kai Tom who are two of the more exciting prospects in the organization right now uh, at least at the AAA level so um i feel like that this year's September call-ups is just going to be more of like a reinforcement kind of uh tra- reinforcement kind of transactional wire this year as opposed to uh, other years. So uh might not see a lot of impact guys come up, but you're going to see some guys come up and uh, maybe give some of the regulars some some time off and uh, during this crucial stretch run here where they're not really going to be able to afford to have a, a ton of a ton of time off or a ton of breaks here. So uh and this is the last year of September call-ups too. So um this is uh I don't know how this is going to work for the Indians, but um, we'll see what they how they work things out down the stretch here. But um, really quickly, Mike Clevenger named AL Pitcher of the Month for the for the month of August. He went five and zero with a one ninety six ERA and six starts, and I think suffice it to say, Mike Clevenger is back and and on top of his game again after missing a lot of the season due to that injury, and uh, couldn't come at a better time because with him and Bieber at the top of their games right now um, it definitely bodes well for the Indians heading into the postseason to have at least two starting pitchers who are pretty pretty tough uh, competition for uh, most lineups so um, you know despite what Kluber and Carrasco have gone through this year and now Trevor Bauer is gone I think that even still the Indians as far as starting pitching go are in decent decent shape right now with uh, those two and then you know, the guys backing them up and Plezak and uh, Savali and Plutko. Um, I didn't think I'd be saying it uh, after everything that's happened this year, but um, they're they're not too bad. They could probably use – they could always use more help, but they're not too bad right now. Well, I mean, Clevenger is the, has the most major league starts of any pitcher currently in the Indian starting rotation. Obviously, Carrasco has more, but Carrasco's not currently in the rotation. So Clevenger – I don't even think as a hundred career major league starts is the experienced veteran of the rotation at 27. I think last time I saw this, it was like 80 something starts. So or not even, so they definitely need Clevenger and forget. I mean, you keep talking about, you know, going into the postseason, they're going to need every, they're going to need Clevenger to pitch like that every, every night and Beaver, the same thing just to get into the postseason. If they don't get 
you know, ace level stuff from them. I mean, especially with the way the offense has been hot and cold and the bullpen's having its issues. I mean, they blew Clevenger's start last night where he was fantastic in seven innings and they've, they haven't won a Shane Bieber start, I think in his last three outings and he's pitched really well. So they're going to need everything and more from those guys just to stay in the race and then let alone make it in. Once you get in, if you get past the first round or if you, if you win a wild card game with one of those two guys in the mound, you've got to use the other guy in game one of an ALDS, which means the other guy might not start another game depending on how it goes. But yeah, they're, they need everything and more from those two guys. And they got to start scoring runs and protecting leads for them. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Right. And, you know, we've seen, as you said, this offense has been hot and cold. We've seen some guys going hot stretches. I mean, uh, Roberto Perez is starting to hit the ball again. Uh, he had that mammoth home run uh, the other night. Uh, that was, what, his 22nd or 23rd homer? And he's – so he's starting to uh, – get it going again at the plate. Franmil Reyes uh, is not hitting for as much power over the last week or so, but he's starting to um, hit more consistent, make more consistent contact. Uh, he's drawing more walks. He's got six walks versus six strikeouts over the last week. You know, Lindor is closing in on 30 home runs again this year. He's still been probably the team's best overall hitter, maybe save Carlos Santana, who continues to uh, hit the ball well as well. So um, what they need is they need everything to just start clicking at the same time because they this is seems like, a, other than maybe Santana and Lindor, it's such a streaky lineup. Um, so many guys get hot and then so many guys get cold, and it seems like they can never get in sync as far as... Uh, uh, clicking as a cohesive unit, they had a good run there, I think, in the month in late July and into early August. But um, they need to get it back together here in, in a hurry if they want to pick up this pitching staff. Which, you know, as you said, other other than uh, Bieber and Clevenger, who have been pitching very well, um, you know, you need to pick up the rest of that starting staff to pick up the rest of that bullpen. It's it's a lot to ask, but they need to get it done and. Um, you need to be scoring, I would say, at least four runs a game in order to stay competitive. They do, and, you know, Puig's gone cold, too, and then Jason Kittness has the wrist tendonitis, so there's just all kind of things going on now. You're depending on, you know, Yu Chang to play third base, and you're hoping for something from him. I mean, that's why I'm... <laughs> the more and more we go down this road, the more and more we start talking about it, the more and more I'm really skeptical that they're going to be able to hold this together if, if they don't get... I hate to sit there and blame on just a few guys because it takes a team effort, but they need Puig to be as hot as he can be. They need Reyes. They need Kipnis to play through a wrist injury, which isn't easy. And they need Roberto Perez to give him some life again because he was really good early in the year and it's a big home run last night. He struggled, but you're right. They need everything to come together to survive the injuries they have incurred at this point. Yeah, they need and they need Luplo to get back. Uh, and on top of his game again, they need Jake Bowers to be a contributor uh, with a Naquin injury. So um, a lot needs to go right for this team right now for them to become a legitimate postseason threat. And uh, it seems like this has been the nature of the beast here in 2019. You know, this started out the year so 
so cold and it was so frustrating to see how they were playing. Then they got red hot in the middle of the year, uh, right around the all-star break and then into uh, early August. And now they've kind of been on this roller coaster uh, since the last couple weeks of August when they, when they, since really when they went, played Boston and went to New York, uh, it's really been up and down and we've seen a lot of things happen. Go, a lot of things go right. A lot of things go wrong. And, so now it's just a matter of whether they can get it all going right again like they were in the middle of the season because when that team was going good, when this team was going good uh, right around the All-Star break, they were probably one of the best, hottest teams in baseball. So it's, what, it's a question of whether they can get to that point. I don't know if they can, but if they can, then I think that they can get it done. But it's definitely a lot to ask. Yeah, it's got to happen fast. They're 8-12 since uh, that law that – lost to Boston a couple of weeks ago. It def- yeah, it's 8 and 12 is is not where you want to be heading into September here. So um all right, so um we're going to kind of cut this a little bit shorter today since um we're pressed for time, but um really quick to end the show, I wanted to ask you specifically about Adam Simber because you know, he's been one of the de facto uh, late inning arms for Terry Francona in the bullpen this year. And, you know, we were wondering if he was going to be able to correct his issues from last year where, you know, he was lights out in San Diego, comes over to Cleveland, struggles. This year has kind of been up and down, but it's I think it's been more down than up. He's got a 403 ERA, 127 whip, a 439 uh, FIP, and 452 XFIP. He's not a big strikeout guy, so the FIP and XFIP are – probably naturally going to be higher and looking at his numbers throughout his career it's kind of been the case both in the majors and in the minors but the question is can he get back on track and be fixed and if not you know do the Indians need to consider moving on from him well I don't think they're going to move on from him I think he's going to continue to be an option for them it's just you know he's never going to strike a lot of guys out he depends on inducing weak contact I mean, it's the strike zone. Nobody's swinging at anything he throws. So I don't know how they get him back on track. But the thing that's frustrating is he's always depending on luck. You're always depending on him getting the ground ball and getting it to wherever your fielders are. And if, if somebody hits a, a weak ground ball, but it happens to just find a hole, nothing you can do about that. And, you know, next thing you know, he throws one bad pitch and it's a two-run homer. So... It's a lot of volatility for a guy who doesn't strike anybody out, which is not what you want, you know, and a high leverage reliever. So, you're depend- like I said, you're depending on some real, some real luck there. I don't know if getting weak ground balls and, and hoping they find the right people in the glove, and then, I don't know, he's just got to be so perfect. It's hard, it's hard to depend on him as a, a high leverage reliever. He's so different than... Joe Smith or other guys they've had in the past that are side armors that had strikeout stuff with that slider. He doesn't have he doesn't have a strikeout pitch. There's something that you look at that's in his arsenal that misses bats. It's all just ground balls, and that depends on a lot of luck. And like I said, if he makes one bad pitch, then you know you're looking at a different ball game, especially in high leverage or in the postseason. So uh, would I take it that you would agree that uh, he's probably miscast as a late-inning reliever? I always saw him as like a matchup right-hander or something like that. Um, I don't know if I don't know if him as a late-inning reliever long-term is going to work out. So uh, 
that's why I would would like to see somebody like uh, Karen Check and Sandlin. And it's unfortunate both those guys endured injuries this year because they could probably help the team, or probably could have helped the team yesterday if not sooner. Um, so it's unfortunate, but I think that uh, in the long run, if you want to keep Simber around, I think you got to get him out of the late innings. Yeah, I would agree. Now with that, next year he presents a problem. He can't get left-handers out. What do you do next year when the three batter minimum, uh, or is it two or is it three? I forget what it is. And I know there's a loophole where you can bring in a guy to finish an inning and he doesn't have to come out for the next inning. Um, you can you can get in to face one batter if it's two outs and he gets the last out. So that's where Oliver Perez might get saved. But how do you bring in a guy like that who can't get you know left-handers out and, and expect to get him through three batters next year when that rule comes into play? Right, exactly. So um, I think that's something that a lot of teams are going to feel the uh, the strain of uh, heading into next season. They're really going to have to work hard to navigate around it strategically. So, um, but that's something we'll have to wait and see how it works out. But um, uh, last, lastly, before we go, just to preview next week's games, uh, we have uh, two more against uh, the White Sox. Hopefully the Indians are able to win these last two and still take the series. Um, as I said, Mike Clevenger, it, or uh, Shane Bieber, rather, is supposed to slate the pitch against Ivan Nova tonight. And then you have uh, Zach Plezak going against uh, Reynaldo Lopez. And, uh, and then in Minnesota, the pitching matchups are yet to be determined for the weekend. But... Um, my guess is you'll see Plutko and uh, Savali pitch, and then and then go back to uh, Clevenger. So uh, crucial weekend series coming up, and then the Indians head out west to play the Angels in Anaheim. So uh, any thoughts on this stretch for the Indians, including that uh, crucial series in Minnesota? No, I just hope, like I said, they play consistent baseball. Otherwise, uh, you're looking at a, a real bad slide here in September, which doesn't look good after a pretty quiet off season and, and making those bold trades for them to fall short would not look good with both of those things, even though pitch, starting pitching really isn't, isn't why they're struggling right now. It's actually the only reason they're hanging around. So the trade still looks good, but to make such a bold move and still not make it, have it be enough because you have other areas to address, um, especially with the quiet off season doesn't look good. So they've really got to, like we said, I'll, I'll show, find some consistency finally, which has kind of eluded them since the trading deadline, actually. All right. Well, we'll see how this next week goes and uh, how those uh, weekend series against Minnesota pan out because they definitely need some uh, good baseball against the Twins uh, in order to stay competitive in the division race, if at all, uh, if that even is a factor. So, um but yeah, it's all right now. It's all got to be about uh, winning the game that's in front of you, as Terry Francona, I'm sure, is telling his guys every night. So uh, they can focus on that and and get that done. Then you just let the chips fall where they may after that. So uh, anything you want to plug, Justin, before we go? Yeah, check tomorrow. I'll have uh, a recap and some coverage from tonight's game one playoffs in uh, Lake County. They face Great Lakes, which is the Dodgers' low A affiliate. So. All of that tomorrow, and uh, this could potentially be the last game I cover for the year, you know, depending on how the series goes. Uh, hopefully they continue. They've got a pretty good chance, I think, in the series, but we'll see. So keep an eye on that, out for that. Uh, 
at the same time, you'll probably be listening to this podcast. So if you happen to be listening, head over to the site and see some of the coverage from last night's game. And uh, I'll have some end-of-the-season stuff from Lake County as well as other affiliates. We're going to do some cool stuff, I think, here at the end of the year that we'll talk about um, from all the different uh, levels. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll have that. Um, as for me, uh, I had the season-ending Rubber Ducks notebook uh, this week that was posted on the site. Uh, kind of a tough year for Akron, but uh, I recapped the last week, and uh, we'll have a full season recap coming up here next week, and probably over the next two weeks will probably be a two-parter. But um, I'm going to have the uh, season-ending four thoughts. That may also be a two-parter. I'm trying. I'm trying to decide how to work that out. So keep an eye out for that. Um, give some thoughts on some of the biggest developments prospect-wise for the Indians this year. Um, so check that out as well. Um, as for us, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. Um, you can. Follow the show at Smoke Signals IBI on Twitter. Follow the site account at official underscore IBI. You can hit us up with any kind of uh, prospect questions, uh, Indians baseball uh, questions or comments. We're always willing to uh, talk some baseball, so uh, hit us up there. And uh, lastly, just uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. As always, leave a nice rating and spread the word. We do appreciate you as we come to the end of another season here on the podcast network. Um, but in the meantime... Uh, For Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Duncan. Thanks for listening, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.